On today's edition of Locked On Predators, we're starting to get to know some of our Central Division frenemies. Today, we're going to be talking with Dan Lewis from the Locked On Stars podcast. A lot of similarities between where the Preds and Stars are as a franchise. We'll talk about that. A couple of Dallas Stars and Nashville Predators players to watch this season. And what did Dane think about the Predators being ranked ahead of the Stars in the Locked On podcast Central Division Power Rankings? I'll ask him that question. It's coming up today on the Locked On Predators podcast. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making the Lockdown Predators podcast your first listen of the day every single day. Happy Friday, everybody. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at OnTheForeCheck.com. Uh, normally, I have a partner in crime, Ann Kimmel, but she has the day off. She is busy getting her new Preds writing adventure off the ground. Uh, so go check her out on the Sports Illustrated Predators site. Uh, so we have brought in a ringer today. We're going to talk to my good buddy, Dane Lewis, from the Locked on Stars podcast. Uh, as we mentioned, there's a lot of crossover between the Predators and the Stars this year. Kind of both in an interesting spot both sort of in the kind of the same stage of their franchise, maybe looking at maybe turning over a new era, but a lot to get to today. So without further ado, let's hear from Dane from Locked on Stars. Well, this week we're talking to more of our frenemies from around the Central Division, and we're going down to Dallas this week with our good friend Dane Lewis, host of the Locked on Stars podcast. Dane, what's up, brother? I thank you for joining us. Yeah, of course. Always glad to to talk to you, Nick. And uh, I know I've spoken with Ann as well a few times talking about our two teams. And uh, I know this should be a, a fun episode, as I know we both have some varying opinions about our, our two respective teams and where they stand in this central division that, besides the, the top spot, seems fairly wide open, uh, maybe besides some of the bottom spots as well. Yeah, it's kind of – and even then, hey, like Arizona's – not terrible in Chicago is terrible. So maybe there's even going to be a fight for like Mr. Irrelevant of the central division. Um, but it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that because it seems like the division really is kind of wide open this year besides Colorado, who's going to be consensus locked into that top spot would be kind of a legitimate surprise if anybody else kind of won the division at this point. Um, it just seems like there, there's so much parody and, you know, you had guys that, you know, like like the Predators who were kind of middle of the pack that actually did go out and address some needs. And you have like teams that were at the top last year. Minnesota maybe taking a step back in terms of losing valuable players from last year's team. So it, it really is interesting to kind of watch and, and look and say, you know, I, I see Colorado as one. But whoever comes next, I could see that going one of several different ways. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. And even on, on the Minnesota note, I'm excited for my episode down the road with Seth at Locked on Wild because I see so much hype around this Minnesota team. And not to say they're going to be bad, but a lot of people have them finishing second or even third. And while they certainly could be in that conversation, because I think Kirill Kaprizov is the real deal, the losing a guy like Kevin Fiala, I think, you know, makes things interesting for them. Their goaltending situation, uh, also very intriguing, but not just them. I mean, the the Blues, the Predators, the Stars, I think all could very well 
find themselves fighting for a, a top three spot. And, you know, like you said, Arizona probably not fighting for a playoff spot, but certainly not as bad as they were last year on paper. And Winnipeg is maybe the biggest question mark in the entire NHL. So aren't they always? Yeah. Ne- never a dull moment with, with this central division, especially, you know, uh, Rick Bonus, former Dallas Stars coach, goes to Winnipeg. So I, I think that that takes them you know, maybe a step above where many thought they might be at the start of the offseason. But this is going to be an exciting season, to say the least, to see who can fill out these, you know, two through four or five spots in this division. Uh, Well, you mentioned the Stars had a former head coach. They now have a new head coach, uh, Pete DeBoer, going there this offseason. I mean, everybody kind of had that same reaction, like, uh, this guy again? Um, how did you feel about that? Like, how do you feel about the change? Do you think he's a fit? Do you think maybe he is the guy that can kind of unlock the combination the stars have now? Yeah, it's a great question. And and one that comes with quite a few layers. I think that one, the, the departure of Rick bonus was expected. Uh, just looking back to the way that he was brought on as head coach with the, the firing of Jim Montgomery back in December, 2019. And then the world just kind of falling apart a little bit and the stars just needing some form of consistency. So Rick bonus stays as head coach, maybe longer than he would have had, had things maybe played out a little bit differently across the world over the past few years. But regardless, Rick bonus does depart. He's off to Winnipeg and Peter DeBoer as head coach was, you know, received with uh, mixed reviews. I know even from myself, I, I think I was initially let down just by getting such a, you know, what felt like at the time a bland hire just because he was one of the bigger names on the market. And I, I think I personally wanted the stars to go with a little bit more of a wild card type pick to, to spice things up. But the more I think about it and the more I've done research on, you know, former Pete DeBoer teams, the more I get excited about what the season could hold for this star squad. Uh, you look at, you know, the production of a guy like Brent Burns over the years, especially uh, his time with DeBoer. He had really good numbers at the defensive position. And Miro Haskinen is a guy who many Stars fans are expecting to make a jump this season with the departure of John Klingberg. Uh, and then the forwards as well um, have historically done well, not just in San Jose, but in New Jersey and Vegas as well. Um, of course, there's the the connection with Joe Pavelski, who is coming off his best season as a professional in his late 30s. Now he's reunited with his old coach and both of them still looking for that elusive, you know, first Stanley Cup title. And so at least from a storyline perspective, I think there's a lot of really interesting angles to this hire, uh, you know, with two guys that are connected like Pavelski and DeBoer looking for, you know, their first championship. Uh, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn are needing to have big bounce back seasons and yeah, I mean, you asked the right question. Is Pete DeBoer the guy for that? Only time will tell, but the more time goes on here this offseason, the more I have time to think about it, uh, the more optimistic that I am that we can see the offense take a step in the right direction because ultimately that's what the Stars struggle with. They historically have had good defensemen, solid to good to sometimes great goaltending, but the offense has just sometimes been lackluster, uh, and I think the pieces are there. Uh, Pete DeBoer and his coaching staff just need to, you know, develop the right game plan uh, and put these players in a position to succeed. And, you know, historically, he's been able to do that, especially early on in his coaching tenures. But we'll we'll see if Dallas proves to be the same or if things will play out differently for him this time. Yeah, you kind of hit on it. So last year's Dallas Stars team, uh, I guess there's kind of a mixed bag uh, when you look at the forward production, and you kind of hit on it earlier, you know, if you tell me like how the stars finish and you gave me that roster, I would have been like, oh yeah, like Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan, still top of their game. You look at them and you look and say, 
holy crap, like the stars were pretty decent despite them being like record settingly bad. Like each of some of their like worst years in, in history. So for me, is that is are they going to have a bounce back year? Like, do we have those kind of locked in? And it's like, okay, if the stars are going to be good, they're going to need those two guys to step up again. Or is this maybe a sign of the changing the guard? You know, obviously Pavelski is kind of at the end of his career, but you still have guys like Jason Robertson, Rupe Hintz, I think kind of had that big breakout year. You guys were kind of open for him. Is this more of a changing of a guard and being like, okay, the bulk of this offense, the bulk of this, you know, this kind of offensive game plan is going to run through these younger guys now. I think it's a little bit of both just in the sense you mentioned all those young players, Hintz, Robertson, there's plenty of other young talent, you know, on the current NHL roster, but also at the prospect level as well that I think we'll see, you know, playing consistently uh, in Dallas for the Stars and probably at a, a top, top six position here in the next year or so. Um, but also at the same time with the contracts that Sagan and Ben both have, both of them being in Dallas for for the foreseeable future and both making, you know, north of $9 million or somewhere in that range. The, the expectation for both of them is still incredibly high um, across the fan base and even across the organization. I know uh, within the past few weeks, the Stars owner has been critical of their play, uh, just especially with, you know, them still being Jamie Ben, the captain, and Tyler Sagan been an alternate captain for, you know, however many years now. These guys are the longest tenured players on the team and still expected to be leaders to some extent. Uh, and as much as they need to produce because of their how much money they're making, they're taking up about a quarter of the cap. Uh, it's just unrealistic to expect both of them to lead the team statistically. But thankfully, that's why the Stars have Jason Robertson, who scored 40 goals last season. Rope Hints, who, like you said, finally had his you know breakout season of the NHL world, finally kind of knows you know who Rope Hints is and what he's capable of. So it needs to be a little bit of both. We need to see those two guys be the, the leaders of this team that they've been, you know, expected to be for the past several seasons, but they also need to, you know, the stars as a whole need to usher in this next generation uh, of leaders um, like Robertson, Hintz, Haskinen, uh, and even, you know, guys like Dennis Gurionov, Jacob Peterson that play smaller roles on the team, but you know, their, their production and their expectations could be on the rise here in the next handful of seasons. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because it feels like the Preds are kind of in the same spot with the exception of they're actually getting production from kind of their prime guys. You know, you look at and you think of like guys like UC Saros or not UC Saros, Roman Yossi. There's too many soft J's on this team. <laughs> um, you know, you look at a guy like Roman Yossi who had the best year of his life, but he's also kind of on the other side of 30. And same with Matthias Ekholm, same with Matt Duchesne. Ryan Johansson just, you know, is, is either hit 30 or is about to this year. And you look and it's like, okay, this is going to be good. Like, this is going to be a good run for the next five years. But you're kind of starting to think, like, who's going to be that next tier of player that step up? So it's kind of interesting that, it, you know, the Preds and Stars, at least on paper, there's a lot of similarities between like the way these two are built and kind of the direction of the team moving forward, where they're kind of at a crossroads where, you know, you have all this talent that kind of defined the team for the last decade or so. Um, you know, in our case, some of our guys are in their prime, but you also kind of have to look down the road and kind of picture this long term. It's like, okay, who are we going to want to start to build around three, four years from now? Yeah, I, I agree. I think these teams have a lot more in common than they do not just in terms of, like you said, the way they're built and uh, 
kind of how their their talent is divided up as well with you know a, a good amount of older seasoned veteran players that can still produce some maybe you know lacking a little bit especially on the stars end but also you know the, this quote unquote next generation so uh, i think that that makes things really interesting for both these squads but yeah uh, the stars just in, in a really weird spot this season and i think a lot of people are probably putting them under the radar just because you know one they didn't have the biggest offseason they certainly did make some moves and add some players to the roster but you know nothing is as flashy as what calgary did or florida um or even even nashville i think nino niederreiter was obviously not the biggest name on the market but a guy that you know a lot of people were having high expectations for this offseason and thinking that he could be a really nice add to wherever he ended up yeah and uh definitely we're going to talk about that more in a little bit real quick though you know, we talked about Robertson kind of coming into his own last year in a big way. Rupe Hintz had that big breakthrough year. Who's somebody you think is going to do that this year for Dallas? Like, who is that next sort of breakout star that you think is going to come from under the radar to have a big season this year? I think the the easy answer, and if you ask a lot of Stars fans, I think this is their answer, but I think there's some truth behind it. It's uh, the, the first round pick from the Stars in 2019, Thomas Harley, who who's a defenseman who has had some experience here in the NHL, not a ton of on ice time just because of the way the lineup was, you know, written up by Coach Bonus. But now John Klingberg is gone, Miro Haskin and steps into that number one spot. But that kind of leaves maybe a hole or two at the bottom of the defensive depth chart. Uh, and I think that that is going to allow for Thomas Harley to play the majority of his games this season at the NHL level, and would not surprise me at all if we eventually see him in a top four role. Uh, he, he's a, a incredibly talented skater uh, and and just defenseman overall with a ton of upside. Like I said, haven't seen a ton from him yet. His NHL sample size is still pretty small, but the coaches that have come through here and even the coaches here now seem really high on him. And the expectation is for him to start the season at the NHL roster and, you know, produce obviously not heavily because Miro Haskinen is there and he's expected to carry most of the load on the defensive side. But Thomas Harley is expected to take a big step this season, and uh, he's a guy that you know a lot of people here in Dallas are excited about. And I think especially this season, Central Division teams will become more aware of him just because they play more games against the Stars than anybody else. But this will, I think, this will be his first season where the NHL world and community starts to you know get a little bit of a taste of who Thomas Harley is. And I, I know Stars fans are ready to see that as well, ready to see him take that next step forward. Yeah, love that answer because I also love Thomas Harley too, you know, in just small sample size last year. But, you know, in those little spurts, you kind of saw like, okay, this guy is going to be something. Mm. And, you know, it it takes defensemen, I think, a little bit longer to kind of come into their own than, you know, maybe an NHL forward. But, um, you know, you you saw kind of glitzes of his game there, like little, you know, flashes of, of brilliance of him making a really good veteran play. And, uh, you know, I think I think you're right. I think if he gets more time, if he kind of builds, you know, to a 20 minute a night guy, I think you're going to see him have some more consistency this year. So same page on Thomas Harley there. Uh, Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity, Dane, to ask uh, some Preds questions. But first, want to take a break. Want to mention today's show brought to you by Built Bar and their new Built Bar Puffs flavor, Delicious Cookie Dough. Yep, cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. Sounds like a candy bar, but it is actually a healthy treat. That's because cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them, 
That's collagen protein too, which your body absorbs more efficient, efficiently, provides more health benefits, and has a lot of other uh, great benefits for you. Uh, so go to built.com to snag a box for you and your family. It'll be a perfect treat. You or you can just uh, find a good hiding space in your house and hoard them all for yourself. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or you just need to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. So ditch the calories, fat and sugar and grab yourself a Built bar. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Dane, we talked about uh, your team, the Dallas Stars, here a little bit. And we kind of mentioned it's sort of an interesting thing because there's some similarities between where the Stars are right now and where the Nashville Predators are right now. Yeah, and, and certainly do have plenty of questions to send your way about this Nashville Predators team. And the first of those, I feel like this is uh, maybe an elephant in the room type question about Nashville's offseason. Maybe right. one of the more surprising uh, moves and one that I know Predators fans are, or at least I would imagine, happy about that Philip Forsberg is back and back for a long, long time, seeming to be a Nashville Predator for seemingly the rest of his career. And I'm just curious on on your thoughts on the contract, the length of the contract, and what your thoughts were on him coming back to this team this offseason. Because I know at, at several points it seemed like he may not come back to Nashville. Well, it was... It was anxiety-inducing, that's for sure. There's a lot of Alka-Seltzer that had to come out of the old medicine cabinet a couple times during this whole process. Um, But at the end of the day, I know you said it was kind of a surprising move. It really wasn't if you had kind of read, you know, the stuff from Forsberg and the stuff from David Poyle. They made it very clear kind of all the way back, um, you know, around the midway point of the season when Forsberg really started to break through it kind of became clear that Forsberg wanted to stay in Nashville, that Poyle wanted to keep Forsberg in Nashville, and it was just going to wind up being a business matter. You know, that's different than the Ryan Suter, you know, situation from 10 years ago this year, where it was just, you know, the the question wasn't money. It was, did he want to commit to Nashville long-term? We didn't really get that with Philip Forsberg. He made it pretty clear that he was willing to be a part of this team long-term, buy in, kind of be the centerpiece. And it just kind of came down to business negotiations. Um, The contract that he got, it it was great. If you're a Nashville Predators fan, 8.5 million AAV for eight years, probably less AAV than he probably would have gotten on the open market. Um, so that eighth year, I think really came in handy. So that's, I think a bar, uh, a bargain in terms of the cap and, you know, you get your best forward that you've ever developed in his prime. You know, he's probably got what five, six more really good prime years left in him, And then, you know, after that, he could still be a very valuable member of this team. So I think the predators not only, you know, get him locked up in the short term, but long term, I think you're going to get a lot of value out of number nine. So it was a good deal all around. Glad it's done. Um, like you mentioned, some tense moments there, but it, it all worked out. So we can breathe a collective sigh of relief in Music City. Yeah, it, it seemed, you know, at moments that there was some uncertainty and just would have felt really weird to, to see a guy like Forsberg go somewhere else. You know, you mentioned that, you know, he's 
you know, really no argument, the best developed player from this organization. Like if you're making a, a Mount Rushmore of Nashville Predators, I mean, you have to imagine that he's maybe the first guy on there. So certainly would have yeah. been odd. And, you know, uh, like you said, exciting for people in Tennessee, but not so exciting for the seven other teams in this division. As you said, at age 28, still in his prime. And uh, even when he's out of his prime, uh, I think there's just immense, immense value there in terms of mentorship and, you know, kind of passing the torch on to whoever is in that Predators organization, you know, five, six years from now at the prospect level or even, you know, at a rookie or sophomore level uh, to learn from a guy like Philip Forsberg. I feel like we'll go a long way for those players. And moving on to to a different area of the roster, uh, a guy that, you know, was having a great year and then unfortunately things were cut short for him in the long run and he misses the postseason with the Predators. UC Soros goes down with, I believe it was an ankle injury. You can correct me yes. if I'm wrong there. Um, yeah. Right near the end of the season, misses the playoffs. Uh, and, you know, from what I could read before hopping on this call with you, looks like there won't be too many lingering effects from this injury that he sustained. But what are the expectations for UC Soros going into this season? Because Stars fans know, you know, way too well the the effects that injuries and just wear and tear can have on goalies uh, with, you know, the recent retirement of Ben Bishop. Uh, and Anton Hudobin starting to take, you know, a step back in his game as well. So obviously, Saros a lot younger than those guys. But what are the expectations for him going into this season? Well, luckily, Stars fans also know with Jake Ottinger how much a really good goaltender <laughs> can kind of right the ship when things are going bad at the point of the season. And the Predators saw that with UC Saros down the stretch. Like UC Saros is the reason they still made the playoffs when they started having some really bad games in the last couple months of the season. Um, and he is probably to some extent going to be counted on to be that guy again, that sort of game stealer. Um, I think when you look at stolen wins, uh, which is a set, I think the athletic came out with when uh, Shayna Goldman was doing her goalie examination, nobody besides Igor Shesterkin had more stolen wins than UC Saros. And that, you know, that stat is basically like, hey, but the way the game shaped out, the way the analytics played out, like the other team should have won, but goaltending basically swayed it the other way. That's who UC Saros is, and that's who the Preds are going to need him to be again this year. Because, look, as good as the Preds are, and I think as much as they've improved, there's still some question marks about this team. And if you have a really good goaltender like UC Saros, he can be the eraser that gets rid of those question marks, changes them to a nice little exclamation point on your, on your list of questions. So I, I think, it, you know, as long as he stays healthy, the Preds are certainly going to be in there for, you know, maybe the second, third spot in the central division. Maybe this is the year they finally break that first round playoff jinx that's been plaguing them since 2018 but it's going to rely on him being healthy. And if he can do that, he's still young enough Then I think the Predators are in pretty good shape. Yeah, certainly you miss him in that first round series against Colorado. I think if he plays that series that, you know, Nashville, like, you know, you talk about the stolen game set, they probably steal a game or two in that series, but you know, just, yeah. uh, a, a, maybe. you know, obviously may, maybe that, that That's team was a great, really good I mean, Colorado team. It is, but you know, a good goaltender can you know maybe steal you one game in a, in a best of seven series. You never know. I, I like to hold to that fact, but maybe it's just me trying to tell myself that the Colorado isn't that good when I in fact know that they're going to be a nightmare this season. So uh, I'm just trying to to cope with that fact. And you know, the last we, thing I kind of we can manifest it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
uh, the last thing I kind of want to run by you before we, we talk about this division as a whole and uh, some potential standings for this year. We, we talked about one of the, the recent off, off-season additions earlier, Nino Niederreier, but it wasn't just him. Ryan McDonough comes over from Tampa Bay this offseason as well. How valuable do you think both those additions are to this team? And, uh, you know, I mean, I think both of them offer different things with Niederreier kind of being in that, you know, prime, quote unquote, prime area of his career. McDonough maybe on the back end, but still a guy that's been on a, you know, a championship winning team for the past handful of seasons. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll start with Nina Ryder first because I think that one's a little more straightforward. That is a major improvement to the Preds' top six compared to who was on there last year. You know, you you look at the Preds' four best forwards, which are clearly Philip Forsberg, Mikael Granlund, Matt Duchesne, and Ryan Johansson, and then you were kind of counting on guys like Luke Cunning and El, Ellie Tolvanen to step up and kind of be those support guys for the top four. And that did not happen whatsoever. Now you take a guy like Nino Niederreiter, who not only had a very good year with the Carolina Hurricanes, 25 goals, but you also look at the way he plays that sort of grindy two-way game, like super aggressive on the four check creates a lot of opportunities just by getting in the opponent's face, forcing him into a mistake, that fast closing speed, kind of making him react before they want to. That is exactly the type of hockey that John Hines likes to play in Nashville. And you look at what he's going to do on that second line. He's probably going to play with Ryan Johansson, who is another lanky guy, likes to get in the middle of things, likes to force people into mistakes. You have a very good second line that not only matches the identity of what you want to do as a hockey team, but now with Nina Ryder, you have somebody that can score. Like you have somebody that can go out and get you 40 to 50 depth points a year, which is something Nashville has sorely been lacking uh, over the past couple of years. So Nina Ryder, I think one of the more underrated, perfect offseason moves, I think, in the NHL this offseason. Now, when you talk about Ryan McDonough, there's maybe a little bit of nuance to that um, because of the contract. He's got four years left on the deal kind of in the high 600 million or 6 million a year. Um, so this has the potential to maybe be a burden down the road, um, especially because he did not have a great Stanley cup finals last year, but then again, who did against the Colorado avalanche, <laughs> but in the short term, this is a boost to your defense. Like this is another top four defenseman who is going to play somewhere in the top five. And so the Predators all of a sudden have more defensive depth. Where he's going to play is interesting because now the Preds have three top four worthy left-handed shots. Uh, is Roman Yossi going to kind of be move over to the right, maybe be more of a free-flowing positionless defenseman? Is Ryan McDonough going to move to the right? Is he going to pair with Matthias Ekholm? Are you going to put McDonough next to somebody like Alexander Carrier, who's a younger defenseman still coming to his own, or Dante Fabro? So it's going to be interesting to see kind of what role McDonough has used him. But, you know, maybe this is kind of a, you know, a burden three, four years from now when McDonough maybe starts having injuries or age catches up with him. But at least for next year, I think this is a big improvement for the Predators defense having him on there. Yeah, for for sure. And 
I'd say all the time regarding the stars, you know, you can never have too much veteran experience, especially when you get to the postseason. Uh, and regardless of McDonough's numbers, I think just having that presence in the locker room uh, will probably be, you know, a great thing for the Nashville Predators, just experience that he's had over the past handful of seasons. And uh, another guy, the more, the more and more we talk throughout this episode, the more I'm seeing the similarities of getting, you know, an older, maybe overpaid defenseman, because that's Ryan Suter for the Dallas Stars right now. What, several years older than, than McDonough. Uh, but still, you know, uh, the similarities continue to present themselves as we continue to, to talk about our two teams. Yeah. It's uh, it's very, yeah, it's very jarring to kind of see the, the similarities between the predators and the, and the stars pop up, which brings us to very interesting kind of follow-up topics. So um, the locked on hosts in the central division voted for who we thought would be, um, like the top teams in the division this year. Obviously, Colorado was one. The Preds were fourth, and then right after them were the Stars in fifth. You kind of took exception to that, like kind of in a big way too. Like I think you tweeted out like that it was certainly a choice or something like that. Preds yeah. fans kind of thought like, hey, that's that makes sense actually. So yeah. so let's let's lay the cases out. Like let's hear why you think <laughs> Dallas should be ahead of Nashville. Sure. And I do want to start by saying I think both teams will make the postseason. I actually think that we're going to see the same eight teams in the postseason of the Western Conference. The seating might look a little bit different, but I, at least as of right now, uh, I think we'll see you know the same five teams from the Central, the same three teams from the Pacific. But just as far as where they finish in the, in the division, I don't know. I, 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 there's a lot that goes into it, at least on the Stars end, uh, that, I, that I think that they maybe get that upper hand. And a part of it is Peter DeBoer coming into Dallas? Like I said, all those pieces are there. And we saw what some of these young, you know, really talented scorers could do under Rick Bonus, who was playing, you know, hockey like he was back in the 1980s with, you know, a not very strong offensive game and, you know, playing a lot more defensive minded, which is good. Uh, but especially with leads, the Dallas Stars were just not a very good team when protecting a lead or playing, you know, with that one goal, two goal lead, just because they took, you know, the gas off offensively. And I think Peter DeBoer with guys like Robertson, Hintz, Pavelski, and even a guy like Sagan, Mason Marchment uh, was a big off season addition for the stars coming over from Florida. Uh, I think the pieces are there for the stars to take that next step offensively, not, not saying that they're going to put up, you know, Florida type numbers or Toronto type numbers offensively. But I think that, you know, you take in their, their power play, which was a, you know, top 10 in the league for the majority of the season. I think they end up finishing 11th or 12th. Uh, I think that that just adds a whole new dynamic to their game. And of course, while recording this, Jason Robertson technically still is unsigned, but the expectation is that he will get re-signed by training camp. Uh, and I expect him to continue to produce the same way he did last season at that around 40 goal pace, if not more. Uh, and, and then you just throw in the defense as well. Miro Haskinen, I think, will take that step defensively um, and assert himself into the same conversation of Roman Yossi, Kale McCarr, Adam Fox as the elite defenseman of this league. And, and then Jake Ottinger in net. You touched on it a little bit earlier uh, about the security that the Stars have in net with him. And then even Scott Wedgwood is the backup who came in and gave some fantastic performances last season. He's not a guy Wedgwood that you want out there every single night, but if Ottinger needs a breather um, or just needs a night off, I, I think that stars fans and the coaching staff and the team as a whole, just have full trust in Scott Wedgwood to, to go out and, you know, pitch a good performance. Cause he went up against some of the best teams in the league last season while in Dallas, like Carolina, 
uh, Toronto um, and really only lost that Toronto game because Austin Matthews is Austin Matthews and, you know, did what he does in overtime. Okay. But but I just think all around this this roster is built for success. And again, it's just going to depend on what the coaching staff can do. And I, I think we saw even down the stretch last season. And of course, you have to factor in some of the, the injuries that that plagued Nashville. I, I think Dallas you know, finish the season a little bit stronger, get, you know, snagging that final wild card spot. Um, and again, yeah. there is a lot that plays into that. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, while just purely talking about the stars, cause there was a, a way that I played this out where I just go at the, you know, the, the quote unquote faults of the predators, but you know, I cover the stars and I know the stars way better than I know the predators. So I, I figured I would leave the predator stuff to you and just talk about why I think the stars are set up for success. And, that, that's why I think that. And I even you know, have been as bold to say that I can see them finishing in the top three. I'm not saying it's a guarantee in this division, but I can see a world where maybe Minnesota takes a step back. Maybe St. Louis isn't quite the team that we think they're going to be this season. And you maybe see Dallas squeak into that third spot in the division, but also can very realistically see them getting you know a fourth, fifth place finish. But I, I like to envision them taking a step forward from where they were last season as far as points and offensive production. I'm kind of the same way with Nashville because when I'm making all my predictions, I can see them kind of going up and challenging for that two, maybe three spot in the central. I can also see it all going horribly, horribly <laughs> wrong for them, um, which, which I'm sure you can for Dallas as well. It seems like there's for just sure. kind of a lot of moving pieces and what ifs that are going to determine uh, how good this team is, you know, because, you know, the way we're each built, it's not like Colorado where you just have a juggernaut of talent across the board. It's you have some really good pieces, but one of those pieces gets hurt. One of those pieces uh, doesn't produce the way you expect them to. Then all of a sudden you're kind of talking about a very different scenario. And, you know, I see that for Dallas from the outside looking in. And I kind of see that from Nashville from the inside. You know, that there's as good as Philip Forsberg and Roman Yossi and Matt Duchesne were last year. Um, there is kind of the question mark on whether they can all produce at the same level they did last year, because that's the thing. Like everybody was talking about how bad the Preds were off the, down the stretch. You still look and you still had two 80 point scores. You had a defenseman that I'll be honest, probably should have won the Norris trophy. I'll just throw that one out there. I mean, when you're winning, I understand like the argument from a car and I've said this many times, like I would understand whoever wins, but I think really, if you're putting together the best offensive season since Ray Bork, if Ray Bork is coming into your comparison, I think you have to kind of be like, okay, this player might've done something special this year, but you have all that. You had a goaltender nominated for the Vesna and, you know, for them to kind of still fade down the stretch, you kind of think, okay, what were some of the holes in this team? David Poyle went out and addressed those holes. Like one of the big things down the stretch was the Preds were given up a lot of defensive breakdowns, like 35, 40 shots a game. They added Ryan McDonough to kind of hold down that defensive aspect of their game. What was happening up front? Their depth scoring was non-existent. You know, if Forsberg or Duchesne were off or, or Yossi was, was not quite producing, the Preds had no chance of getting on the board. What happened? They went out and got Nino Niederreiter, a 25 goal scorer, a 40 to 50 point guy. They put him in the top six. So the Preds went out there and had a very, very good offseason in terms of addressing what were their shortcomings last year. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing. Like, look, we talk about these players on paper and their fits and everything. 
But the way the Predators handled it this offseason, it wasn't just like, oh, let's go out and get like another piece. They really looked at their shortcomings and why they faded down the stretch. And they went out and made moves that specifically address those. So to me, like you, I'm going to be like kind of the optimist. I'm going to assume everybody in the teams takes a step forward. I'm going to assume Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, Roman Yossi, UC Saros were the same guys this coming season as they were last year. Now you take that and you plug some of these holes, you fix some of these leaks, chinks in the armor. All of a sudden you have a team that is not only scary and is going to be fun to watch, maybe kind of a dark horse, like maybe a team that can go out there, pull a first round series win, get into a tough battle with Colorado. And then who knows? That's kind of where I see the Predators this season. Yeah, I think those are all legitimate arguments, and I, I agree. I think, you know, especially Niederreiter coming in at a top six position fills what secondary scoring void may be, you know, left by the Predators. And I think the Stars did that with Mason Marchment. Uh, and I think, you know, with hopefully the the reemergence of Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, that, you know, with the new coach, new offensive system, you may be seeing an uptick in their numbers. So, uh, the best part of all of this is we won't have to wait very long to see how these teams still feel about each other. With yeah. I know Dallas's first two games against the Predators. I believe the Predators start the year off in Europe against the San Jose Sharks, but then they come back to America and, and get to play their uh, their rivals in the Central Division. Yeah, uh, we'll be in Prague uh, against uh, the San Jose Sharks to start the year off. Good, uh, good old-fashioned road trip. Yeah, just just your stereotypical, you know, overseas thousands of miles NHL road trip against the Sharks. Who, you know, I would think that's an easy win for Nashville opening night, but I imagine the Sharks playing, you know, on an international stage will will want to, you know, have a good showing. So not not an easy win, but yeah. I think at least right now on paper, you you take the Predators there. But then you know a back to back, you know, home and home split for the Stars and Predators that I, I know I'm excited for, and you know I, I imagine both fan bases are excited for as well. Yeah, it's interesting. It's just good to have hockey back, you know, because I think that's that's was a kind of a boring summer uh, a little bit. So it's good to kind of be talking about games again and planning and uh, predicting who's going to win some of these. So definitely looking forward to the season, Dane. Yeah, I, I am as well. And, you know, you, you couldn't have said it any better that, you know, hockey is back there preseason games this month. And just just in general, a, a good time to be a sports fan with you know, football here, basketball right around the corner, postseason baseball, which is wildly more entertaining than than summertime baseball. Uh, so really just, you know, an exciting time where there's storylines coming from everywhere. But especially as far as these shows go, uh, you know, it's fun to, to speculate and do these season previews in the division. But at the end of the day, we just want to see these teams play against each other and, you know, bring out the best in one another and give us the the competition that, that we've been used to seeing. And uh, the Central Division is far from being the best division in this league, but I think that they have a great chance to still give us four or five postseason teams this year. Yeah. And if nothing else, uh, should be some exciting games between everybody involved too. Even the Arizona Coyotes who have been <laughs> Preds killers for the last decade or so. Uh, so I guess we'll have to, to sit back and see. Uh, yep. Dane, why don't you uh, plug your stuff for our Preds fans here? Where can they find you? Where can they listen to you? Yeah, of course. They can just find the show. You can just search Locked on Stars on your favorite podcasting platform, YouTube as well. Uh, getting close to 700 subscribers. So 
if for some reason a Nashville Predators fan feels so inclined to to help out, uh, they can just hit the subscribe button on YouTube. And I would ask that you know Stars fans would do the same for you guys if you want to you know plug plug your show as well. And uh, for our yeah. social media, just at Dane Double Underscore Lewis on Twitter. If you ever want to heckle me if the the Predators ever beat the Stars, but know that if the Stars ever get revenge, I I may come back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm still still waiting for that one to happen. Um, <laughs> you can find us, uh, Locked on Predators, again, anywhere you get your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, be sure to subscribe us and listen daily. Uh, or you can just watch us on YouTube. Locked on Predators is the name of our channel. Uh, again, subscribe, leave a comment on our shows, go through some of the questions we asked and uh, weigh in. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, and me personally, you can find me on Twitter at underscore NS Morgan. Um, I will probably not respond nicely if you chirp me. But hey, if you ever want to talk about hockey, maybe point out some things, ask questions about the game. Uh, I will be more than happy to oblige. I'm, I'm just laughing. At least most Stars fans I know on Twitter trying to like kindly, you know, chirp a, a Nashville Predators like media member. But I, I can't see that happening. But I'm just envisioning someone like, kindly pointing out like oh yeah Forsberg you know pointing out like the the nitty-gritty of like Philip Forsberg's like offensive game or something like that yeah I don't know that that's just funny yeah. to me knowing some of the, the the very active stars fans on Twitter yeah. uh you know sometimes great and sometimes maybe you just want to block them out for a little bit <laughs> yeah if you can come up with a chirp that's like huh you think the Preds are going to win the cup with Forsberg's offensive entry rates like that <laughs> then I'll be like that was good sir well done uh, but if you're just telling me uh, or if you're going to drop the Trashville word or something like that, yeah, you're probably going to get blocked and uh, something personal is going to be said about you. So <laughs> don't do that. Keep it civil, folks. Keep it uh, simple and be creative, you know, but in a nice way. In a nice in way. In a nice way. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the lesson to take away. Well, Dane, thank you very much, man. Um, for the rest of you guys, be sure to check out his podcast. Check out our podcast and we'll each be back with new episodes. We'll see you guys.